Welcome to Rivers in the Desert International, a revival ministry dedicated to bringing the living waters of God's love to a hurting and dying world. It is our desire as you listen to the following message that the Holy Spirit will fill you afresh and that you would be ignited into a fervency for Jesus. This is the day to be filled with the knowledge of His glory as the waters cover the sea. God is doing something new on planet Earth today, and you and I have the great privilege to be a part of it. We love you. Be blessed. Your greatest blessing is in obeying God. But the problem is we live in a society where we treasure comfort and we treasure five-year planners and we have everything organized and then we ask God to bless this and God's not even there. God said to Abraham, the first commandment, okay, to Abraham, lech lecha, everybody say that, lech lecha. It means get out of here. You know, two-thirds of God's name is Go, G-O. And amen, and the, that's right. And backwards is do, and the middle third will make you odd. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, I want to encourage you, before I start reading the scripture text here, that you need to go on, it's the first time I ever said this publicly, but you need to do it, okay? Go to YouTube, okay, dot com, wherever it is, and type in APAC, A-I-P-A-C, and then the word John Hagee. It's APAC, then John Hagee. And you're going to see the American-Israel Policy um, Action Center, the main lobbying agency for Israel in America. You're going to hear one of the most powerful messages of pro-Zionism, Christian Zionism, ever in the history of the church. John Hagee, the power of God, came on him, and he preached and a standing ovation of unsaved Jewish people. I've never seen it before in my entire life. Because the Christian Zionists were always held suspect, arm's distance, you know. You guys are here to evangelize us. Okay, give us your money. Come to Israel, but, you know, just kind of keep your Jesus to yourself, okay? John Hagee, in the most, one of the most powerful messages of our time, talked about a sleeping giant called Christian Zionism, rising up 50 million strong, that we, on our watch, we will not allow ever again a Jewish holocaust to happen. And what is amazing about this was the standing ovation and the amount of media in the secular Jewish press this received. So you see, what is, why is this important? Because the Jewish people know, the Israelis especially, know their only true friends in this hour are not the secular liberal Jews, okay? They live over in Malibu Beach, okay? Or San Francisco. They're the Christians in America and Canada. Are you with me? Come on. And so we have shown our love and support to them through Bridges for Peace, through different agencies, okay, and helping Jewish people. It is now time not to help them make Aliyah to Jerusalem. It's time to help them make Aliyah and meet the new Jerusalem and Jesus. Hallelujah. You've got to go where the fish are biting. Amen? Come on. Hallelujah. If the walleye are biting, we put on a walleye lure. Amen? If the bi- Come on. You know what I'm saying? we got to go right now. We, oh, hallelujah. I wish I could take you with me. We just, so APAC, A-I-P-A-C, John Hagee, just type that in the search bar, okay? And it's two part, okay, part one and part two of this message. 
and listen very carefully. If you're not, you don't know a lot about the Jewish people and modern Judaism and the Zionistic movement and what happened in Europe, um, you need to learn this, okay? Why? Because Paul says, I become as a Gentile to win the Gentiles, and I become as a Jew to win the Jews. We need to become more proficient in how to bring the Jewish people to faith because Jesus ain't coming back until Jerusalem says, Baruch Adonai, until the cities of Judah say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. If you want Jesus to come back, we need to do his will. Amen? And his will in this hour, we are seeing a, a shift away from the Western church and everything is heading back east toward Jerusalem right now. Hallelujah. And the church has been blessed the last 2,000 years. America has been blessed the last 300 years. Amen. And things are changing in the weather and pattern of God. And we need to flow with the sovereignty of God in this hour. Amen. Hello. Come on. Hallelujah. And while that open heaven was opening up over the Tel Aviv U.S. Embassy, I began to realize the, the reason God has raised up America and blessed America is because of her support for Israel and the Jewish people. If it wasn't for that, our, our country is under the heavy hand of judgment, folks. And so we need to maximize the blessing. Why God is preserving America. Okay, why are we prospering as a people, okay? You go overseas and you come back and you just want to kiss the ground here. We are so blessed. We have so much abundance here, amen? amen. And so what I encourage you to do is start getting mobile. Mobility is the key to your breakthrough. You know, start going through your garage, getting rid of stuff you don't need, amen? Get debt free. Glory to God. There's so much we can do right now to get ready for this next wave. Hallelujah. Lech lecha. Hallelujah. Just be ready to move, okay? And, you know, men, don't be married to your bass boats, okay? And women, don't be married to, you know, the nesting instinct. Just got to have my little corner, you know, and my Victoria's Secret little area. Come on. God's not into antiques. I don't want to break your heart now, okay? God's into the new thing. Don't let anything grab a hold of your heart right now. Thank you for your enthusiasm tonight. Hallelujah. <laughs> Trying to help you. Don't look at me like that tone of voice. You want to be in God's, you want God's blessing, don't you? You don't want your blessing. I want God's blessing. And so it says in Romans chapter 9 and verse 1, Paul is saying, I am telling, well, let's, let's start in actually verse 35 of chapter 8. Famous text many people here know. And while you're looking for that, let me just repeat. Go listen to the Hagee's sermon about Israel, standing with Israel. Okay? And then start learning some things about Israel and the Jewish people. If God was moving, let's say, to, you know, everybody needs to get ready to go to Mexico. Well, we'd start learning Spanish, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Amen? But the Spirit of God has been moving among the Gentile nations for 2,000 years now. And God is now moving back to Israel. And he wants to take this type of worship, okay, and this type of faith, this type of solidarity, the, the love of God. And Come on, he wants to bring the Jewish people into this experience. Because yeah. they're not coming to, our, to Easter services, okay? They're not coming to the Catholic Church. They're not coming to this Western churchianity system. They're coming back to the original DNA of their fathers, Amen. which is the glory realm. Hallelujah! Yeah. Whoa! 
And so Romans chapter nine, uh, 8 and verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Messiah? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly, I love the New American Standard here, overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now there was no original, in the original letter there is no uh, chapter and verse. It's put there by the redactors for reference. So let's keep on reading now. Paul doesn't stop, okay? I'm telling the truth in Messiah. I am not lying. My conscience bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. Meaning, the fruit of when you know the love of Messiah, that nothing can separate you from that love. Hallelujah. That you can go anywhere and face martyrdom and know that you'll never be separated from the love of Jesus. Come on, amen? That's going to produce something in your conscience. Okay? And the fruit that this is going to produce in your conscience is verse 2 of chapter 9. I have a great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. You are going to enter into the lamentation anointings of Jeremiah. Okay? You're going to enter into the sorrow of the father about having a son who serves him, yet still having a prodigal son spending his life in sin. The Jewish people are the prodigal son of the New Testament. And we need to fashion our lures, amen? We need to become as a Jew to win the Jews in this hour because God's heart is to reach the prodigal. Oh, Ephraim, how can I give you up? As often as I've spoken against you, I'll gather you back to myself. That is the hour we're in right now, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah! Larry King, watch out! (laughs) So what's going to happen is I'm getting so close to God, but why do I have this spiritual grief going inside of me? What is it? You are entering into the travails, the birthing process of bringing in the wayward sons of Israel. And Paul, there's only three people in the Bible that entered into this and said it publicly, what we know of, Moses, Jesus, and Paul, that were wished to do what? Not just experience this grief. Verse 3, I wish that I myself were accursed. Pastor, I have a testimony. I just want to be accursed because I'm so in love with God. I want to forget my salvation that Israel can be saved. Pretty deep. See, when you get a revelation of how much you're loved, it provokes love. When you get a revelation of how much he loves you, you can go to the uttermost to love somebody else. Love provokes love. Agape produces agape, okay? And we're, folks, we're moving into a time where the agape of many is waxing cold. And we, come on, amen? And we've got to start layering up here, amen? If we have to, get some heated battery-operated socks, okay, and thermal boots. We can't let our love grow cold. We've got to layer up in this area. And I know the best way to keep our love burning hot and not grow cold because of lawlessness, Jesus said, is to enter into the sufferings of what Paul is talking about here. And it is to give yourself up for a people that are the enemies of the gospel, still, but still beloved for the sake of the fathers. Amen, brother? Hallelujah. It's a paradox. It's, it's a mystery. Let's flow with God's mystery. Amen? And Paul says here, I wish myself to be a curse separated from Messiah, verse 3, 
for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now, why are these people according to the flesh he wants to give himself for? Israelites, to whom belongs the adoption of sons, the glory. (laughs) The Jewish people are the original custodians of the glory realm. We are pre-wired for the glory. Hallelujah. (laughs) Woo! The covenants, the giving of the law, the temple services, and the promises. So Paul now goes into a whole exposition here about his solitude for Israel and how even though God has given them up to a period of unbelief, he has not totally rejected them. And if you read here in chapter 11, verse 1, he says, I too am from the tribe of Benjamin. You can go back at home tonight with your Oreo cookies and your eggnog and read about Benjamin, okay? How he was almost liquidated totally, okay? And so Paul says, I'm an Israelite. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. God hasn't given us up. And then he goes into this whole process here of verse 8. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes to see, not ears to down to this very day. Now, where is that quoted from? That's from Isaiah chapter 6. I see the Lord. Isaiah, in chapter 6, he sees the Lord high and lifted up. How many people want to see the Lord like that? Hallelujah. And his train fills the temple. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of the armies of heaven. The whole earth is full of his glory. 24-7 in the throne room. That's the surround sound. Hallelujah. 24-7 by the living beings. And then Isaiah says that. It says, woe is me. Folks, when you touch this realm, you don't dance around and all enjoy. Hallelujah. That's outer court stuff. This is stuff, you're on your face, you're undone, you're ruined. Because my eyes have seen the Lord of the armies of heaven. Ho! And and he's, I'm ruined. And he realizes how much he's gossiped, how much he's spoken against God, how much he's a man of unclean lips. When you get convicted of gossip and slander and saying things you shouldn't be saying, that means you're on a precipice about to fall into a new move of the Spirit. Hallelujah. So what happens next, the Lord says, of course, the Lord takes care of with the altar. Hallelujah. Tong. Shh. Your lips are clean now. And then he says, who will go for us? And he says, Heneni shalacheni. Here am I, Lord, send me. Okay, I want you to go and preach a message to cause them to have a spirit of stupor. Their eyes won't see, their ears won't be able to hear, hearts dull. Lord, I'll, Lord, that's not, I want to have a ministry like Benny Hinn. What, what, what are you telling me you're going to do anti-revival? How long? Until cities are devastated, but a remnant is left over the stump. Now, as this has precedent in the New Testament, yes. This is what's scary right now. This is why we've got to be really sober right now, Okay. Because Jesus says in Matthew 13, the reason he preaches in parables is to cause people not to understand based on Isaiah 6. And Paul says, the last thing he says in Acts 28, and when he goes to the Gentiles, he says, rightly did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites, talking about the Jewish people. So what we saw, the Jewish people the last 2,000 years have been, except for the remnant, have been shut up in a spirit of stupor, okay, a hardness. But Paul goes on and says in Romans 11 that there was coming a day that God is going to regraft them back in by breaking off the Gentile prideful branch. Now, if our salvation has come because a spirit of stupor and deafness came on the Jewish people, 
Could it be that God's going to reverse the tables and bring upon the Gentile church, not the whole church, you know, the remnant is always spared, a proudful, boastful, anti-Semitic, lethargic, self-righteous, prideful, Gentile church. He's going to snap them off and bring in the regrafting process of the Jewish people back in. And how is he going to do it? He's going to send people with a message that will release a spirit of stupor and blindness. I call it anti-revival anointing. You see, brothers and sisters, this is thoroughly scriptural. That's why my heart trembles, because you have to be a lover of truth in this hour. You may not understand everything I'm saying right now, but you can understand this one common denominator. You have to love honesty right now. And your, your, your big test is coming up April 14th. <laughs> IRS. There's nothing wrong with an audit if you're living right. I told you last time I was here, some people out there got upset because we're preaching repentance, whatever, and somehow instigated an audit against our ministry. I had three IRS agents show up at my front door. Can you imagine that? So I called my accountant right away. I said, well, aren't you doing the filings? What's happening here? He said, yeah. He says, well, don't tell them. Don't give them anything they don't ask for. I said, you crazy? I'm giving them everything. And so I gave him everything, the whole history of the ministry, whatever. And four months later, they sent me a, <laughs> a nice letter. One of those letters will say has a check in it, you know. Ooh, what's this? <laughs> and we said, we're sorry, Mr. Holtz, for bothering you. We were wrong in our audit. We actually have discovered we, you have overpaid $4,063. <laughs> Hallelujah. So not all audits are bad, brothers and sisters. Hello. We need to audit our, our lives right now, okay? We need to not even to wait to this moment where somebody, a crazy Jew comes in and starts slicing away like last time, okay? You need to do it before you even come to church. You need to start making the necessary adjustments. Be brutally honest with yourself, brutally honest with one another, and brutally honest with God, or you could find yourself blinded just like the Jewish people have been blinded. It's a precedent in the scriptures we need to be aware of. It goes on and says here, in chapter uh, 11 and verse 9, David says, let their table become a snare and trap, a stumbling block and a retribution to them. Amazing, isn't it? So we see that in this process, there's going to be a great revival. Verse 25, I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, lest you be wise your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in, and thus all Israel will be saved as it is written, the deliverer will come from Sion and remove ungodliness from Jacob. Hallelujah! Amen. Now, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 50. I found a, and those who subscribed to our emails have, have heard this, but I want to bring it out again tonight. Jeremiah 50 is a prophecy about Babylon or Iraq. Now, let me, let me just settle down any anti-Bush or anti-war people or people that are disillusioned with what's happening, happening in Iraq right now. The issue is not Iraq or President Bush. The issue is what's best for Israel. I'll repeat that. The war in Iraq and the Middle East right now, you, you and I are not citizens necessarily of this country. We're citizens of a different country. Heaven, amen? 
And we need to look at it this way. Don't waste a lot of time in Christian right-wing politics. Thank you for your enthusiasm out there. Let's feed the poor. Come on, let's take care of the widow. Hello, come on, hallelujah. Don't get caught up fighting Hillary or Billary, okay? Are you with me tonight? Come on. You say, well, what are we supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to rise and shine in the midst of great darkness. And when the salt becomes unsalty, what good is it? We are in a catch-22 situation, brothers and sisters, in terms of Republican Christian politics. Are we going to say the end justifies the means? I refuse to compromise on this issue about marriage. Come on. Divorce and remarriage. Homosexuality. Hello. Israel. There are certain things that are non-negotiable in the scriptures. And so I think we need to throw our efforts into the salvation and discipleship of people right now. And let the politicians fight with one another. Amen? Because we've tried, folks. Listen. I just keep on thinking, you know, I was like, they haven't found, even caught Bin Laden yet, you know? I mean, like, it's almost like our country is like fighting shadows and we can't, well, we still kill thousands of children every month, abortions, you know, and all these things and the smut that goes on and the Hollywood movies and all the stuff that we export out of this country. Come on. Our nation needs a revival. And that's why I'm talking about Israel. Because the quickest way to have a personal revival, hallelujah, is to bless the Jewish people. Woo! So it says in Jeremiah chapter 50, this is a prophecy of Babylon. Okay, Babylon is modern day Iran and Iraq. It's also the mammon worldly system of finances in the book of Revelation. And so when Babylon or Iraq is being judged, and let me tell you something, it's chaos over there from the reports that we get from the boots on the ground over there, okay? That it says something's going to happen in verse 4. Chapter 50, verse 4. In those days and at that time, declares the Lord, the sons of Israel will come, both they and the sons of Judah as well. They will go along weeping as they go, and it will be the Lord their God they will seek. Hallelujah! So something is going to cause the Jewish people to migrate back to God, okay, with weeping. And notice that they're not even coming back to Jerusalem. They're coming back to God. Something is going to trigger a weeping to migrate back to God, and it's in sync with what's happening in Babylon or modern day Iraq. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready. <laughs> Woo! It's right now. I can feel it in my spirit. Let me tell you, when I was in Israel, uh, we're doing a shofar drive by different places. And uh, the Lord told me to get as close as I can toward Iran on the Jordanian-Israeli frontier. And to blow the shofar for judgment on that, on that regime. And for those who don't know, you can go to our website and see a bunch of really cool shofar drive-bys. Hallelujah. 
against terrorism infrastructure. Many miracles happen. It's very exciting. But anyway, so we're blowing the shofar against Iran, and as I'm blowing the shofar, we stop in the middle of the desert, nowhere, just pull over. And, you know, my wife's been with me hundreds of times doing this, and she starts taking pictures. And as I'm blowing the shofar, a green Islamic crescent appears in the photo. And I'm blowing toward Tehran. And the Lord began to speak to me and say, son, keep living pure, keep living holy, raise up others to do the same, hallelujah, because we are the spiritual point of the spear, hallelujah, for his natural army to follow through into. Oh! That's pretty deep. So I know something is building about Babylon right now. Iran, Iraq, that whole fertile crescent area. Are you with me tonight? Now we can do something to get ready for it. Okay, so it says in verse 4, that the Jewish people during this time are going to come back weeping. Verse 5, and they will ask for the way to Zion, turning their faces in its direction. They will come that they may join themselves to the Lord and everlasting covenant not be forgotten. My people have become lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray. They have made them turn aside to the mountains. They have gone from mountain to mountain to hill and forgotten their resting place. This is the imagery of David, of Ezekiel, of Jeremiah, the shepherds of the Bible, who would take the sheep into the vista and the topographies of the Midbar, which is the Judean wilderness, which is a very desolate, barren area, just catty-corner to Jerusalem and the Dead Sea. And David would have to know where the springs of water were at different times of year and take them down into that resting place. And make them lie down in the green pastures. Hallelujah. We have some pictures that we'll post on our website with these little water sources. These little pieces of green grass look like. Okay? But the thing is that that resting place at night becomes the valley of the shadow of death. Why? Because where David makes in Psalms 23 the sheep that lie down in the green pastures becomes the valley of the shadow of death at night. Because that's where the lions... And the wolves feed at at night. So the very place we're commanded to bring God's people to rest and drink in the living waters for refreshment is the very place that becomes the valley of the shadow of death of warfare. And we have to become proficient as shepherds, hallelujah, because everybody here is called the shepherd people, the disciple people. We are not called to make decisions. <laughs> decisions, no. Discipleship, Hallelujah. And every one of us have to sh- disciple God's people, lead them to the springs of living water, amen, to the green pastures, and teach people how to sit down and wait in God's presence and not be so busybodies, amen, and receive that renewal. But at the same time, we have to transform out of shepherds into desert shepherd warriors at night to take on the wolves and the lions. Glory yeah. to God. Hallelujah. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> Amen. Amen. And so the reason the sheep are scattered is the shepherds have brought them to programs and set up to his presence. Etc., etc., etc. But there's a Hebrew word here that's used in verse 7 that the nations that actually afflicted the Jewish people are declaring their innocence in verse 7, the second part, insomuch they have sinned against the Lord who is the habitation of righteousness, even the Lord, the hope of their fathers. Now, underline the word hope of the fathers. 
It is an ancient Hebrew word that's used of the gathering place in the desert. When you would bring the sheep along, you would have to know where to bring them to before it got dark. Where is the place of safety? And so what's happening here is the Jewish people are going to come back when Iraq is being judged. They're going to weep and cry, looking for the original DNA. Hallelujah! And they're going to go past Jerusalem in, back into the desert to the very gathering point or the hope of the fathers. They're going back to their ancient nomadic DNA, originality of who they were as a people group to find the great I am. And it's not in Jerusalem either. Woo! And this is where you and I come in. Those of us that have been experiencing the glory of God, we're going to be the desert guides. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because they're not coming back to our churches. And they're not, and I just read an article. If you go to our website, you can get the email. The Jerusalem Post just came out with, I think, one of the most powerful articles recently. And it's called, um, well, basically, making a long story short, I just, the, the new core institutions of Jewish life. In the days ahead, the next major epicenter of Jewish life is going to be re- retreat centers and places to meet out in the wilderness. They're moving out of the synagogue pattern. So we had, listen, the original hope of the fathers was these theophanies. God appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the desert, okay? A nomadic Bedouin-type people that traveled around, and God showed up. Hallelujah. And Abraham or Isaac built an altar here to the great El Shaddai or El Gibor, okay? Whatever covenant name he showed up in that night, okay? And they worship at those places. The original DNA of the just shall live by faith happened in the Israeli desert right there. That's called the hope of the fathers, okay? And then they built the tabernacle, okay? And then they built the temple. Then when the temple was destroyed, okay, they took on the pharisaical pattern, which is the synagogue system. Jesus came actually from the synagogue system, okay? And for the last 2,000 plus years, the synagogue system has been the main core of Jewish life. But now the people in Israel are saying that the modern Jewish person has become disenchanted and has, cannot find the hidden God in our synagogue system. Wow. Sounds like churches, doesn't it? And they're going to start going out into wilderness areas. This is going to be the next, ooh, hallelujah. The next genesis or revolution of Jewish core life is retreat centers and places in the desert to look for the hidden God. And if you email me, I'll send you the article. Hallelujah. So what are we going to do? Just pray? No. Hallelujah. We're going to be people. Hallelujah. It says in Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 6 that the four living beings, a wheel within the wheel, you know, it moved wherever the spirit was about to go. Okay? And so we're going to run where the Spirit's about to go. And where is the Spirit about to go? He's about to meet them in the theophanies and the open heaven experiences that the God of our fathers had in the desert. Hallelujah. And we've got to be there to prepare them for this moment. Thank you for that one glory to God out there. It's why I haven't seen that in Christianity Today magazine. Don't read Christianity Today magazine. Read the Bible, hallelujah. 
that seeker-sensitive movement is so far out. It's not even in, in left field. It's in the parking lot. It's not even in the parking lot. It's in the gutter, okay? They're so far away from what God wants. You think Jewish people are going to come to a seeker-sensitive place and get born again? They smell religion just like they smell in the synagogue. They're looking for reality. Well, the God of their fathers, hallelujah, will show up and vaporize them. Hallelujah. Why? Because the Western mindset that we inherited from the Antichrist system, humanistic system, via Constantine, always tries to analyze God. But the Hebrew mindset said, you know, our minds are finite. There's no way to understand God. Our best service to God is to fear Him and stand in awe of Him. The Jewish mindset is is not to try to figure out God, but to stand in awe of God. And we're moving back into the days of all, the fear of the Lord. Hallelujah. And we've got to be people that can operate in this environment without getting whacked out in this environment, okay? We've got to be able to operate in the temple without getting whacked out by the glory, amen? This is what we were created for, hallelujah. So let's, <laughs> let's look at a couple of these places, what is the hope of our fathers. Go with me to the book of Genesis. How are y'all doing tonight? You know how it is when you got born again or when God visited you in revival or something happened in your prayer closet or he just messed you up for life, you know? Now, it's interesting that, do you all know who wrote Genesis? Moses, good. So it says here in Genesis 28, in the narrative form, Torah Shvalpeh, oral law, so to speak, and Moses is writing this down. And uh, Jacob is running from his brother, verse 10. And Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. I can actually take you to the very well at Beersheba. I just did a, some pastors in, in, uh, in October. Took him there, and you can feel the glory of God at this spot. Hallelujah. I can take you to where Jonathan Edwards in Connecticut preached uh, <clears throat> the fiery sermon, Sinners in the Hands of Angry God. I can take that very church where it's at, okay? And you can still feel the glory of God. I can take you to Ruth Heflin's camp, you know, in Virginia, and put you on the stage here at the Big Ten, and you'll feel the glory of God. Why? There's a residue. There is, there's a presence of God that is released. Hallelujah. The problem is, people, that's how tradition gets started. People build monuments, you know, or golden altars or whatever, incense burning, you know, around these spots, okay? And then eventually monks and a monastic sect will take over, you know? And the whole thing becomes fossilized and petrified then, okay? And they're living in the afterglow, amen? You know, the Lord told me once, you know, a lot of the gold dust was appearing in some of these meetings, you know, and in our meetings, people covered in gold dust and... I'm looking for gold bars to fall. Hallelujah, really. But <laughs> and I heard the Lord say to me, he says, get, he says, he says, don't get your eyes off the dust. I said, what he says, he goes, my streets are paved with gold. And I had this image in my mind of the chariot of God just going by, kicking up all the dust all over me. And get your eyes off the dust. Where's that chariot going, you know? <laughs> It's going to take signs and wonders to bring the Jewish people in. 
Hallelujah. And God has given us, each of us, this wonderful opportunity. Verse 11, and he came to a certain place and spent the night there. And because the sun had set, he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and lay it down in that place. Now, verse 11, it says, a certain place in New American Standard. The original Hebrew is the place. Just write in your margin, the place. Why wouldn't Moses say the place? Because they all knew about this place. <laughs> Hallelujah. And it's interesting when you go to Israel, all of these places where God visited in Theophany, most of them are covered, run over by Islamic mosque. The Muslims have come in and tried to stamp out the theophany of God. I think God's going get, to get a hold of them. It's awesome to see the revival among the Palestinians and the underground church in Israel. It's awesome, man. They're radical. And then in Sweden, I met a whole bunch of uh, uh, Iranian believers that just escaped from Iran. On fire for God. Hallelujah. They're out there, brothers and sisters. Amen. Okay, let's keep on going. So it says here in verse 12, And he had a dream, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, God of Isaac. On the land which you lie, I'll give it to you and your descendants. Brothers and sisters, there's always a fight for the soil and land of Israel. And it goes on and says here, verse 15, And behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Hallelujah. Now, we all know in English he called this Bethel, which in English, uh, Hebrew is Bethel, which means the house of God. I said this last time I was here. Now, did he see a house in this vision or dream? Did he see a temple? But why did he call it a house of, the house of God? Because the house in Hebrew mindset is not a building of four structures. A house is where you dwell and sojourn. Hallelujah. And it's interesting since we have, I have a satellite image of this area taken by a satellite. And I think last time I may have showed it when I was here. If you look down, the very name Yahweh in Hebrew is right here at Bethel. You can see it, the way the ravines and the hills are formed. It says Yahweh in Hebrew right there. It's amazing, isn't it? So, God is looking not for a structure, whether we meet in the parking lot or here at the fairgrounds. It doesn't matter to God. He's looking for a house, and we're that house. And so it says in verse 22, he says, And the stone which I've set up as a pillar will will be God's house, and of all that thou give me, I will surely give a tenth to thee. You don't need to preach tithing to people. You just get people into their original DNA, they'll want to give to God. Hallelujah. Now, so... Ooh, go to Isaiah 66 now. 
Now, I want to say this to you, is that this place I have identified in the sojournings of, of Abraham and Isaac also. Even when Joshua came, he came to set this place free, Bethel. Did you know when Solomon died, his son Rehoboam took over? And Rehoboam said, I'm going to make your slavery worse. And the ten tribes rebelled and left. Where did they set up their first altar at? At Bethel, exactly. They knew this place. I'm going to take you to that place. You feel the glory of God. Hallelujah. Isaiah 66. So what we see is that God wants to, through these theophanies, which is a technical word for basically God visiting and messing you up forever. Isaiah 66 and verse 1, look at this. It says, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? And where is the place that I may rest? The Jewish Publication Society, you can write this down. It's fascinating. It says, where is the place I can fix my presence? F-I-X. Where can I fix my presence? So God made all this heavens and earth. You look at the Hubble telescope, man, it'll bless you. Hallelujah, all the photos it's taken. Amen? God can make himself the nicest master bedroom suite and kitchen, you name it. You know what I'm saying? But he has decided to fix his presence with you and I. Verse 2, for my hand made all these things, and all these things came to being, says the Lord. But to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and trembles at my word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to tremble tonight when you hear the word of God being preached tonight. Because one thing we've moved away from is, thank God for all the things we have in church today, but the Jewish mind, the highest form of worship is the study of the word. Tonight, synagogues around the world are full of young men studying the Torah. It's a sign of worship to God. Hallelujah. They treat their Torah scrolls with such respect and longevity versus what we do with our Bibles. We need to come back, and we don't worship this rice paper with black ink on it. But what we do is that we understand that the Jewish people gave us the Messiah, gave us the written word. Hallelujah. And we don't need to look for something else out there. Hallelujah. It's right here. Everything we need. It's breathing. Hallelujah. It's alive. But now we're going back to the bread and butter. I can feel it. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> we are going back to the original set plan, which is God wants to bring in his ancient covenant people that have been in a holding pattern of disobedience, a holding pattern of unbelief, a holding pattern of their own works righteousness. Hallelujah. And he's going to bring them back, not to our churches and not to our Western churchianity system and not to all this stuff. He's going to bring them back to the very gathering place of his fa- the fathers, the original DNA, when he appeared to them and said, I am El Shaddai, walk before me, Abraham, and be blameless. Woo! 
Woo! Hallelujah. And all we have to do is just coax them this direction. Hallelujah. And we're going to see a revival. It's going to be like life from the dead. Romans 11 says, if their acceptance... Okay, their rejection be, you know, us being born again. What would their acceptance be but life from the dead? We're going to see the Ezekiel 37 bones come alive. Hallelujah. And somewhere in this mix, we get helicoptered out of here. Hallelujah. You say, well, Scott, we've heard people all, you know, whatever. How do you know this is not going to happen another 100 years from now? Because when Babylon is being judged, got it. She got it. Hallelujah. Right now, just wake up. Look at the macro. Forget what the Communist News Network says, okay? Watch out for the little foxes on Fox News, okay? <laughs> Look at the macro right now. What is happening? The Jewish people are saying, listen, we are concerned. But all we have to offer them is, listen, I don't have, I don't, I don't have theology to offer you. I don't have apologetics to offer you. I know I have... And offer you is just a simple guide. I can lead you to this Bethel. I can lead you to this house. I can lead you in your desert experience. Come on. As another modern Hitler has raised up his head and says, we're going to look at, start imagining, O Muslim world, life without America and Israel. A lunatic who thinks he's a messianic. To bring in a messianic Muslim age this March 21st. What is today? Oh, already happened. Good. <laughs> or is it April 21st? I got a check. Somebody sent it to me. There's this, come on. And the Jewish people, I, I came back on the airplane, and it's always nice when you get bumped up free for first class. Amen? And I always thank God. It's not time to go to sleep. God has somebody next to me I got a witness to. And that's an Israeli businessman. And we got talking. And when, you, when Israelis start pulling up pictures of their family, you know you got their heart, okay? And then I said to him, and he says, the number one problem in the world today is the religious leaders of Iran. He says, they're lunatics. I said, yeah, they're (laughs) demon-possessed. And he says, we don't know what to do with them. I said, I know what to do with them. Hallelujah. (laughs) Greater is he who is in me than he that's in this world. Amen? Oh, come on, folks. It's not time to have a bunker mentality. It's not time to get all scared. Hallelujah. It's time to rise up, almighty warriors. Rise up, Rambos and Ramboettes. Hallelujah. Begin to pray. Say, Lord, I want this temple to be your house. Hallelujah. And I don't want just a 10% down deposit. I want full possession of the Holy Ghost. And I want to hang out with others that are part of your house. Hallelujah. And we make up this macro house. Hallelujah. And this macro house is being built outside the camp. And it's suffering reproach and persecution from those who think they're the house. And it's in this environment that God's going to bring in weeping sheep. Help us. Okay. And there are going to be Jewish people too. And they're going to remember the early days when they knew God. The prodigals out there are going to remember the days they were born again in church and left. Hallelujah. What's this New Day place they're driving by? And they feel the pulling of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Their DNA kicking in. The irresistible force of the grace of God. Oh, hallelujah. 
That's what we need to prepare ourselves for this week. Not put it off. I hate procrastination. We got to do it now. Amen? So what you eat, you got to watch what you eat. You got to be mobile, not lethargic. Amen? You got to get your, your body weight down to battle weight. Amen? Hallelujah? How many, people, how, many, how many people have been here? God's been telling you to start working out. See, you're listening to God. You hear God's voice. Hallelujah, that's good. <laughs> Why is he telling you that? Get ready, you got it. Hallelujah. It's only 9.30. I keep on things like 12.30. It's like... The problem of flying from the East Coast. Let's conclude with Revelation 7. Hallelujah. You getting something out of this tonight? Amen. I'm getting something out of it too. It's like finally, okay, finally, we've got some prophetic direction here that we can sink our teeth into. It's scriptural. Amen? We see, you've got to watch the John Hagee video, okay? And if you don't understand what he's saying, and you don't have that same zeal, then you're not going to understand tomorrow night. It's like, it's like trying to take trigonometry and never taking geometry, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, hello, you know what I'm saying? It's like wanting to drive an you know, 18-wheeler, you don't even know how to drive your stick shift on your Volkswagen at home. I mean, come on. You're going to have to, and, you, and when you watch what Hagee says, he's not even Jewish. When you listen to what he says, say, Lord, let me have that same passion he has. Because I don't have it. And if you don't have it, what you, you need to check up on your background, okay? Background check, okay? You need to say, Lord, is there anybody in my past that has anti-Semitism? And you just deal with it. Amen? Just like you deal with somebody who's been, been a Mason in your family or, you know, you know great-grandfather was, you know, a witch doctor. I don't know. Whatever. Amen? Just break that by the blood of Jesus. Do self-deliverance. Hallelujah. And just began to proclaim, Lord, I release, I renounce the sins of my fathers. Hallelujah. Who knows? Maybe your father was, grandfather was an SS officer. Okay? Come on. There are certain things that, you know, that bring a curse. Shedding innocent blood. You know, cursing the Jewish people. There's all these things. And you have to learn how to, to not blame it on your family, okay? Because they're just carrying down a curse of the fathers. A great book on this is by Derek Prince. Read everything he has. This is good stuff. Derek Prince has a great book called Blessing or Curse. Okay? Excellent book to read. Don't get all, you know, don't go and hire a bunch of Mormons on the Internet to try to figure out all your family tree. <laughs> Because you'll find your family tree, you'll find some nuts there, okay? So don't get, don't get hyper about all that, okay? Just in the spirit, say, Lord, I, I'm, I'm going to set myself free. Because you, if the Holy Spirit is telling Paul to have a great sorrow for the Jewish people, and you don't have a great sorrow for the Jewish people, it's because there's something not connecting that's not God's fault. Because Derek Prince says in the last days what's going to separate the real church from the harlot church is Israel. Amen. And let me say this to you. All those ministries now, Episcopalian, Methodist, Presbyterian, that are ordaining homosexuals right now, you know, you, there was a trail before that happened. Guess what they were doing? 
they were, they were publicly denouncing Israel. It's interesting, isn't it? Those same ministries that today are ordaining, it's Adam and Eve, it's not Adam and Steve, okay? Amen? Amen. They're the ones in the 80s that were saying, you know, Caterpillar or, you know, Vectel or whatever. We're going to pull all of our billions of dollars of assets of our Presbyterian retirement fund out of your companies if you keep supporting Israel. Oh, yeah. And this is the witness the Jewish people have had as a majority of the church. The greatest scourge of anti-Semitism the last three centuries has been what? The church, the pogroms, the inquisition. That's not three centuries ago, that's six centuries ago, but anyway. Okay? And it's good when you hear John Hagee, forgive us. It's, 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 a, it's, it's a very difficult thing, okay? Because many Jewish people feel like to accept this Jesus you're talking about, what, I'm going to become a Catholic? <laughs> I'm going to celebrate Easter? What about Passover? And, folks, we have to change. Amen? Hallelujah. Revelation 7. Verse 15. For this reason, they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne shall spread his tabernacle over them. Powerful, isn't it? They shall not hunger no more, neither shall they thirst no more, neither shall the sun beat down on them nor any heat. This is the gathering place of the fathers. For the lamb in the center of the throne shall be their shepherd. And shall guide them to the springs of the waters of life. God shall wipe every tear from their eyes. This is where we're heading, brothers and sisters. Thank you for being a part of Rivers in the Desert International, listening to our message today to you. Perhaps you have a friend, perhaps yourself are sitting there and wondering, where would I go if I died today? We'd like to give you a great privilege of praying with us and leading you to a knowledge of Jesus the Messiah. The Bible says, if any man or woman would call upon the name of Jesus, they would be saved.
The Greek word for saved is healed, delivered. It's a wonderful promise. You're there now in your automobile, perhaps at home listening. Go ahead and pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me of my sins. The Bible says, if anybody would call upon your name, they would be saved. I'm calling today, Lord. Save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Take all of my sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Father, I'm coming running home to you now. In your name I pray. Amen. If you'd like to contact us in our ministry, you may do so by writing us at Rivers in the Desert, P.O. Box 2788 in Alpharetta, Georgia, 30023 in the United States of America. Our ministry phone number is 770-777-0143. Of course, you can reach us anytime, 24-7, at our website contact page at www.flashfloods.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. We are here to help equip you to be tactical warriors in this hour, to wake up this church, to win and disciple lost souls, and to take out terrorism of all forms. God bless you. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Shalom, shalom. Shalom.